I wish our refrigerator was stocked with nothing but our favorite kinds of ice cream. How, you mean our freezer? Our freezer. <laughs> yeah, it would melt. Yes. Get a little melty. It'd be in like there. milkshakes with Snickers. Hey, Rachel. Hello, Ben. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. You were listening to In the Boat with Ben, and I am Ben Tolson. With me is the lovely Rachel Tolson. Mm-hmm. It's good to see you today. Yeah. You've been working all morning, and I've been hanging out with the boys. Yeah. It's always a struggle on, on Fridays because we've got this show that we're recording, and and I've got kind of the morning duty, and they're just... You know, there's, there are a lot of things. There's a lot of things. There are a lot of things. There are a lot of kids. There are a lot of kids and there's <laughs> a lot of things. There's a lot of kids and there's so much to do. And so I kind of, I feel rushed coming into this sometimes. Yeah. And, and I know this is just the second episode, but we've done a couple of live streams mm-hmm. like this before around this time. And what I really like is we kind of, took a second to, we had this thing called the Mm pre-show where we were just hanging out with the people who were in the chat and just kind of warming up a little bit. And that feels like the deep breath that I need to kind of get out of that hurried mindset. Yeah. Uh, It's really nice. Yeah, it is nice. I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good too, I think. All right. Well... We are talking about the, the title of today's episode is removing the word no from your family's vocabulary. I was uh, talking to some folks about this in the chat a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I asked a question. I can't remember exactly what it was, but, but literally like while I was typing the question, I heard the word no like at least five or six times. Oh, Really? Yeah, just like the boys talking to each oh, other. Oh, to stuff. each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't you or me. Although we do say it plenty. Oh yeah. So like upfront disclaimer. We uh we still say no quite a bit. When you have three year old twins, it's. <laughs> yeah. So, I I would say that some people are thinking, well, why like why would you stop using the word no? And so I kind of want to make a case for that. Again, I don't want to like shame anybody. You know, yeah, that's not, yeah, that's, that's not, not what we're goal. about. So what I'm kind of finding is that when we use the word no too often, it, it loses its power. Mm-hmm. And it's like many other words. When you, when you say the same thing or you say something a certain way too many times, it starts to kind of become a little bit of just white noise. Yeah. And, and so I've recognized that, you know, in, in our family, when we are using no a lot, it's just less impactful. Well, the thing that I think of is uh, not necessarily the word no, but the words in a minute, like Mm. when they're, when when they're asking us to do things for them and our typical response is, yeah, I'll do it in a minute. And yeah. so, and they've gotten to where they're like, 
I don't even want to hear in a minute anymore because. Or, yeah, it's it, it's like it doesn't mean anything. Right. It doesn't mean anything. And well, I mean, gosh, that's a whole other topic. Yeah. I'll, I'll do it in a minute or in five minutes or 10. We are severely damaging our children's <laughs> perception of time. Yeah. Anyways. So when we really need to use the word now, when it's really important, um, it, it's not as powerful because of how often we use it in other situations. Now, there was a question in the chat that I really liked. I'm going to go ahead and bring it in here. It was from Alice. And she said, how does removing no from the family's vocabulary work with saying no as the two-letter secret to having more time? Now, on the Sean West podcast, mm -hmm. um, where, where we talk about business and creativity, we talk about how important it is to get comfortable with the idea of saying no so that you can free up your time, so that you're not overcommitting yourself, so that, uh, so that you're being responsible with the things that you do commit to so that, and, and so that when people hear no, they, they understand that there's a clear line there. Right. And so I fully support that idea. Yeah. That's extremely valuable. And, and I, I wanted to bring that in because in the family context, it's a little bit different now out in the real world. Well, and, and not that family isn't the real world, but <laughs> When you're, when you're working with clients, when you're working uh, for a boss, when, when you're interacting with other adults who have schedules and things like that going on, it's not very efficient to kind of hem and haw around an answer when really the more efficient thing is just to say no. Yeah. No, I can't do that. And depending on the level of relationship that you have, with that person that you're interacting with, you might give them a little bit more of the details, but by and large, people don't really care about the details of other people's lives that they're not personally deeply connected to. Right. That communication isn't necessary or useful. Right. And so the reason it's different in the family is because we have that connection. It's because we have that depth of relationship. So where the word no serves efficiency out in the real world. The word no actually gets in the way of the connection, which is the goal in family. The goal is, is for our communication to create deeper connection. Yes. So that's, that's why trying to find better ways to say no in the family setting that don't just cut off that communication but actually foster that communication, foster that relationship is so important because the ultimate goal is not compliance. Right. The ultimate goal is everybody being on the same side. It's connection. And right. I think anything that we can do to share with our children about who we are and what we do and what we believe is highly valuable to them. And like you said in the beginning, the more that we use the word no, the less that word means to kids. So I think about like there have been times that, well, there was a time that we took our kids to a children's museum and my sister was showing up with her kids and our second son noticed that she had pulled into the parking lot and just took off running. Yeah. And those are instances where the word no 
needs to be extremely important. Yeah. And, and so, you know, if kids if kids are hearing that word all the time for things that they're doing that maybe aren't necessarily as dangerous, you know, like I think about how I have told our twins, no, you may not color right now because it's not convenient for me. That doesn't mean the same thing as no, don't run out into the street. Yeah. yeah. And so no can be an extremely powerful word when we can find other ways to uh, to express ourselves when it's not exactly necessary to use that word. Yeah. And so I wanted to kind of get into some of the reasons why we tend to fall back to the word no. Yeah. And, and really this kind of comes back to something that we were talking about in the previous episode where we really don't have the mental ability all the time to process all of the things that are going on. And so when we're getting a question, our mind necessarily wants to find the path of least resistance. So we're not using up our mental resources for something that we don't need to. Mm-hmm. And so saying no is kind of a shortcut. It's like, okay, this is a way that I can shut this down because I know it's not something that I'm, that I agree to, but I don't, I don't want to get into a conversation right now. And when you have a child or children yeah. asking you for things or asking you if they can do things. Every second of the day. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's kind of this pressure. Like I, I've been in that situation before and I feel this pressure in that moment. I'm like, oh, I got to give them an answer right away. And so the, the first thing I want to encourage you to do is, is to allow yourself to take the time that you need to answer that the right way. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, okay, give me a second or whatever expression you want to use. Yeah. But, but give me give me some time so that I can think about the question you just asked me. I think sometimes what you and I do is we'll we'll tell them, well, we really need to talk about that either as a family or mom and daddy need to talk about it. And that seems to help. And here's the catch in that is that you actually have to do that and come back to the answer. Because if if all you ever do is say, oh, we'll talk about it. But you don't. That's not going to mean anything to them. Yeah. And, and it's okay. Even if you're going to give them an answer in that moment, it's still okay to say, I, I need to take my time to answer this and, and let yourself think about it for yeah. a second. And it's good because it helps children develop healthy expectations and communication. Right. You know, they, they shouldn't expect to be able to get an answer right away to every question that they have. They, you know, time kind of is funny for them. Yeah. And so they they feel imp- kind of impatient. They feel like they want that answer as soon as possible because they're really excited. Well, that's it's their world. Like yeah. it's the <laughs> yeah, it's just extremely important to them. And so by by taking your time, not only is it helping you to have the space that you need to answer that the right way, but it's also demonstrating for them what it looks like to have healthy communication and to work together toward the same goal and not just, you know, I'm going to try to get what I can from you as quickly as possible. Right. And if you, if you feel overwhelmed, which we often do, sometimes there are like two or three or four children asking for something at the same time. Yeah. And it's absolutely okay for you to say, everybody needs to stop. I feel overwhelmed right now. Yeah. I did that at the dinner dinner table last night when like four different ones were talking to me and I said, um, there are just too many people talking right now. We need to, we need to be quiet for a few seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Let's regroup. <laughs> yeah, let's 
Everybody get a number <laughs> and I will take your questions in turn. <laughs> I, you could do that. I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of one of the, the reasons I think we feel like we need to default to that no answer is it's just the pressure of it and, and, and that it really is kind of an easier direction to go. One of the things that we can do if we want to maybe a, even avoid that interaction altogether, sometimes there are questions that we know our children are going to ask us. Yeah. And I kind of, I kind of think of, you know, how some businesses, when they make their website, they have a frequently asked questions section. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, these are questions that people ask all the time. We don't want them calling us up on the phone every time asking us the same question over and over. Let's, let's put up the FAQ and they can go there and they can get answers to their questions. And then people like me look for the contact information anyway and call. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't want to look through the FAQ. <laughs> no, but, um, but you, you anticipate the questions that your children are going to have. And then sometimes, some, sometimes, and when you can. So for example, one of the questions that Jaden is always going to ask. That's our oldest boy. Yeah. When we're on our way home is daddy, when I'm done playing or uh, no, he, he just asks, he said, daddy, can I play legend of Zelda today? Because I, I actually let him play the old school version of legend of Zelda on my computer. He loves it. For like, what, 10 Fif minutes? It's like 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. He asks me that every single day. And, and sometimes the answer to that question is yes. Sometimes it's no, and it, and it kind of depends. We, we use that as kind of a consequence uh, or reward thing, yeah. depending on the situation. And so if I know ahead of time, he's going to ask that question. I know what the circumstances are today. I know whether this is a consequence or a reward today. I can, I can address that ahead of time and say, oh, Jaden, by the way, before he even asks the question, today you didn't take care of such and such. So if you want to play Legend of Zelda, you've got to do this first. Yeah. And that, and that way you avoid the question altogether. I like avoiding questions. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You can't, there's no way to avoid all questions from kids. So here's, here's kind of the fun thing. This is, this is something that I want to do, not just for this particular topic, but for many things that we kind of say as parents, I'm a really big proponent of developing a better language, a better method of communicating with one another and not just better communication, but more precise language, Right. language that, that communicates the right kind of thing that sets the right kind of expectations. And so we're definitely going to cover some of that, but I, I wanted to give some practical language to alternatives to just saying no or alternatives to saying no as a part of a sentence that, that actually has some form of explanation. So uh, these are things that you actually read about, Rachel. Yeah. Do you remember specifically which book? Oh, there have been tons of books. That yeah. I read that kind of shape everything. Yeah. You read lots of books. I do read lots of books. But you and I had a really great conversation about this and it was revolutionary for me because when I started practicing saying it differently, yeah, the, the whole tone of the conversation that I was having around these requests that my children were making changed. Yeah. 
it, it suddenly um, took me from being the, the bad guy and authoritarian figure to the person who is in charge, who has my children's best interests in mind. Right. And who is wanting to side with them and empathize with them. Yeah. And the power of that connection over time, I believe, leads to more situations where a request is made. And even if it can't be granted, there's better understanding oh, yeah. and better th- trust. And I think we've seen that over the course of the years that we've been using it. Yeah. I uh, mean, just in the behavior of our strong-willed child. And when we <laughs> and when we haven't been using it in certain seasons mm-hmm. as well, we've also seen the negative yes, effects of that. Yes, definitely, definitely. So I'm going to kind of throw out a few scenarios. When it's something that you can say yes to but just not right now. You want to start by thinking yes and then give that yes a condition. So what we normally do is we say, no, you can't do that because you haven't done such and such, or no, you can't do that because we have to do this first. So instead, so, so let's say, for example, your child wants to play outside and they haven't done their chores yet. Right. So instead of saying, no, you can't play outside until you do your chores. Say, yes, you can play outside after you do your chores. And and I know that those two sentences don't sound too different. Yeah, I mean, they're both saying the same thing, except one is saying it in a positive way as opposed to, uh, because, you know, the, the connotation of the word no is a negative thing. And as soon as kids hear that word, they've already got the argument. Yeah. Like, or at least in our experience with our child. <laughs> well, and, and think about when you hear the word no from somebody or even from your children, it, it immediately puts you on the defensive. Oh, yeah. So so yes is kind of a gateway. It's like, if I say yes here, I, I'm i in. You know, I, I'm, I'm like standing on their side. And now I get to tell them what the condition is from their side. And, it, and it, it's like an old... Um, I mean, this is like an old psychology tactic because it also helps your child be more willing to do whatever that condition is because yeah. they know that as soon as they get their chore done, they get to go play outside. I think one of the boys last night was like complaining about having to sweep because nobody ever wants to sweep in our house and all of this. And um, one of his friends had come and knocked on the door and you were the one who said, you know, as soon as you sweep the floor you can go out and play with your friend. And it, that was all it took really to make him like, I mean, he did it so fast. Like I yeah, saw it out just, of the corner of my eye, he was running to grab the broom and. It was crazy. And he did such a great job. And it's, I don't know, it's it's kind of empowering Yeah. when you, instead of saying no, it's like, no, I hear your request and your request is meaningful to me. I want you to have that. And then here's, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to get through. Here's what needs to happen. Yeah. And then you can have that. Um, now, now how about when it's something that you can't say yes to? So this is, this is maybe something like, I was actually having trouble coming up with some examples, but, but maybe like kind of a weird off example is, can I go ride my bike in the highway? Yeah. Or more accurately for our kids would probably be, can I go ride my bike without a helmet? 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I can't say yes to that. <laughs> you could, you could do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I can't say yes to that. Here's no, I'm was, I wasn't saying that's what I would say. I'm saying that's what I would think. <laughs> oh, so, so this is, um, this is where I really want to point to the consequence of saying yes versus just saying no. It's like, no, of course you can't. You, you'll, you'll get hit by a car. Well, you, you started by saying no, that immediately put them on the defensive and it's less likely that they are going to receive from you the cons, not receive the consequence, but receive the idea of the consequence from you. So when you say, uh, so instead of saying no, say, if I say yes, if I let you ride your bike without a helmet and you fall off, your head could split open and you could die. <laughs> maybe, maybe not those exact words, but. Or you could get hurt really badly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so the point is not to show them the no. The point is to show them, to, to communicate to them what the consequence is. Well, because by, the, by communicating the consequence, you're also communicating that you care enough about them that you don't want them to get hurt. Yeah, and, and because you haven't pulled up their defenses right away, they're more likely to hear the consequence. And, and at least, so maybe, and, and this is kind of where it gets a little bit tricky because depending on the age of your child, they may just not be able to understand the consequence. Right. And so it, it's still important for you to communicate that. But when you can communicate it in a way that they can understand it. So yeah, like I, if, if I said, and you might die, well, young children don't yeah, understand don't, the concept of death. No, they don't. And then older children don't believe that you know what you're talking about. Yeah. So, or they believe they're invincible. Like that's not going to happen to me. Yeah. So what's, what's important, what's most important is communicating the, the consequence in a way that they can understand. But when you don't bring up their defenses, it's more likely that they'll be able to see that consequence with you. And, and then they feel like, well, yeah, I don't want that consequence for myself either. Yeah. And then, you know, if they still fight against that, it's okay to put your foot down and say, I'm not okay with you falling off and hurting your head. Yeah. It's or you can just go back to the, because the idea behind like having rules in our house is that everybody knows the rules, you know? So, you know, if they're, if they're continuing to ask to ride their bike without a helmet, we just go back to the, you may ride your bike, but you must wear a helmet. Oh yeah. See, that's, that's being permissive yeah. to one of the things that they want to do, but not to the other, the combination of those things. Yeah. I like that idea. All right, so those were a couple of examples. Um, and this is the third one from us, uh, from, from the parent's side. Things you would say yes to if you could. Hang on, I just want to interject something here. Sure. Um, some Damien in the chat room said that in this example, I like to play the mirror and ask them if they think it's a good idea. And that's actually one of the things that I had wanted to say earlier is that oh, yeah. with older children, you can use that and say, you know, what hypothetical situations. What do you think might happen if you're riding your bike and you don't have a helmet and you fall? Yeah. What, what do you think could happen? That's And really... so it's getting them to, you know, develop those critical thinking skills and think about the consequences of their own choices. That's really great. And not just, 
and not just the consequences to them, but, but also kind of bringing that back around to the relationship and how it influences not just the, their own well-being, but the, the well-being of everybody who they're in the boat with. Right, right. I, I really love that because it, it does, it, it just encourages, instead of like, I'm going to make this decision for you because you're not capable of making this decision, so I'm just going to tell you no. It kind of gives them some power and it says, I believe that you're smart enough to think about this with me and to see what I'm seeing. Yeah. At least from your own perspective. And even though I I have the final call, I I kind of want to see where your mind is going to go with this. Yeah. I really like that idea. So things you would say yes to if you could. Now now these are these are kind of like well, okay, so, so an example is... Yes, you may run away. I want... I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow, that is not even where I was I going know, at all. I know, that's awful. Our, our oldest boy uses that a lot. I'm going to run away if... You may like, run away. Go ahead. Make my day. <laughs> that sounds awful. We're, we're really better. Listening. Yeah, we're really better parents than that. <laughs> I want to eat ice cream for dinner. And the reason this falls under the category of things you would say yes to if you could is, oh, I love ice cream. Everybody, yeah, everybody, everybody loves, ice, loves cream. ice cream. If I could eat ice cream without the consequences of... Heart disease. Right. And, <laughs> and, and so the, the phrase I want to focus on here is, well, we're, we're, we're trying to dream with them while still letting them know that it's not a possibility right now. Yeah. And so, so if they ask for ice cream for dinner, you could say something like, oh, I wish we could eat ice cream for every meal. Yes. I wish our refrigerator was stocked with nothing but our favorite kinds of ice cream. How, you mean our freezer? Our freezer. <laughs> yeah, it would melt. Yes. Get a little melty. It would be like the... milkshakes with Snickers in it. <laughs> you know, can we, can we go to Disney World tomorrow? Well, no, we live in Texas and you have to book a flight. There's all this stuff. I wish we could go to Disney World right now. I wish we could live at Disney World. I don't know. Maybe not. Florida is pretty humid. So is Texas. It is not as humid as Florida. I wish that the kids didn't have to go to school and we had a private airplane and could fly to Disney World anytime we wanted to. <laughs> they would love that. So the, the power of that wishing that kind of dreaming out loud and and you do need to follow up with that uh, you need to you need to follow that up with but we can't because and and let them know what the reason is you know like that's that's important but when you when you dream with them it kind of just shows them that you're on their side you're you're in their world in their world the idea of having a freezer full of ice cream and being able to eat that for every meal is fantastic and wonderful. Yeah. And so when, when you position yourself where you're kind of dreaming with them and they, and they see that sameness between you and them and the way that you think and express your dreams, they're going to be more accepting of the reason why right. that can't happen. Well, and it also kind of opens it up to... Like how, I mean, not with the example of the ice cream, but 
the example of the whole Disney World thing. How can we make this possible? And that that just opens the doorway for, you know, children dreaming out loud and, yeah. and trying to pull together as a family to achieve this goal. Yeah. So that's something I want to be really careful not to say here is that these are things that are not possible. So maybe your goal in life is to be able to eat ice cream for every meal and not to have <laughs> the physical consequences of that. So the steps to reaching that goal, you have to get into medicine and biology and you have to, you know, you have to do a bunch of tests and you have to come up with this innovative and unique way that makes it possible for the human body to withstand the the physical effects. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't know how extreme you want to go with it, but but encourage encourage that creativity that like, okay, how could this be possible? Yeah. That's, that's where some of the most amazing things have come from is things that seemed impossible. And then, but people just wouldn't let those dreams go. Yeah. They, they, they found a way they worked and they failed and they, they came up with creative ideas and they thought about things in ways that nobody had ever thought about them before. Yeah. And what, a, what an amazing gift to give our children is to empower them to do that. Right. All right. So when the kids say no, hmm. our kids say no a lot. They, they do say no a lot. They say no to us and they say no to each other. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I have this theory. I think that even if you never said the word no, even if they, even if they never heard it like, you know, from preschool yeah. or at church or whatever, like if, if the word no was never spoken in their presence, they would still learn how to say the word no. Well, it's our human nature. We are self-preservationists. So anything that threatens us, our first response is going to be no. No. Nope. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's my theory. Yes. So this kind of comes back to the way that we communicate with them. But, but I want to, I want to kind of encourage us to think ahead a little bit. Most often when children say no, they're saying no to commands. They're saying no to, to, to some input that they mm -hmm. hear from us. And the way that we phrase our request or our command or, or whatever it is really can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And so I want to encourage us to, instead of barking commands, turn those commands into statements when we can. And again, this comes back to the whole, you know, like the power. So you want, when you have to use a command, you want that command to be powerful. So I think it's a really good idea here to say, okay, I, I want to use a command here, but could I use a statement? And if you can use a statement... Go ahead and do that. And You're going to have to use an example. Yeah, here, yeah. here's okay. an example of that. So instead of saying, put on your shoes, a statement form of that is, it's time for you to put on your shoes. And then they're the ones who have to take that statement, that input, and decide what to do with it. Well, and I'm just going to butt in here and say, oh, I said the word but. I'm just kidding. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's what our boys do. I was just going to say, in addition to that, uh, an even stronger, this goes, this is an old psychology tactic as well. But when you say it's time to put on your shoes, 
you give them a choice and you say, do you want to put the left one on first or the right one on first? And so you're achieving what you want, but you're also allowing them to choose what it is that they want to do. Oh, I really like that. I actually didn't have that in the notes about giving them a choice and and not making that choice. Do you want to put your shoes on or not? But but assuming it, it's almost like in, in the choices that you give, you're assuming that they're going to ag- agree. agree. Well, you're you're paving the way for them to agree. Yeah. So like. Uh, I think about sometimes when we're trying to get our boys in bed and stuff and, and I'm like, do you, uh, well, I I did this with the twins the other day because they're pretty notorious for like, I mean, they're three. So they're very just confrontational and that, you know, like anytime I tell them to do something, the first word is no. Um, So I did this thing uh, and I've been doing it for a while, but I said, it's time to take your nap and you can either crawl to your room or you can run to your room. And they both mm-hmm. chose to crawl. And so it was like this little game that we played, you know, and it was fun. And it it fostered connection between us, but it also allowed them to choose how they were going to go to their room. Yeah, that's really great. And I love, I just love that empowerment because what they remember from that, from that experience is that they were powerful. They were, they yes. were co-op, they they played a role in how that happened. Well, if you think about the world of children, you know, this world belongs to adults and they constantly have adults telling them what to do. And if there is any way that we can give them some kind of power to make a choice and still accomplish what we want to accomplish, that is deeply empowering to them. And it helps them also with their decision-making abilities, you know, which is kind of the point of parenting. Like we want our kids to make good decisions. Yeah, And so when they're young, we can limit those decisions to like acceptable things so that when they become teenagers and they're going out and they're choosing their friends and things like that, they know how to think about consequences and they know how to weigh their choices. I think even as adults, we kind of thrive on having a limited number of choices. Oh, yeah. It's, it's almost better if you, if you are a person who has a lot of choices to, to say, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to like put all of this other stuff aside. I mean, it's like when we're trying to figure out where to go out to eat. Yeah. It's so daunting. Yes, it is. If, but if you, but if I just said, okay, do you want chewies or chilies? Yeah. It's a no brainer. Yeah, it is. Creamy jalapeno ranch. Yes, obviously. So, so what if, what if despite your efforts to frame the question correctly, to kind of think ahead, what if they still say no? And an example that I'm thinking of of is when it's time for us to go Mm. and leaving times are hard. Yes, they are hard. So, so Jaden, our oldest, he's, he's sitting there, he's coloring something, he's drawing, working on his art and it's time for us to get in the van. We're already running late. And I say, and if, if I'm using a command, I say, Jaden, pack up your things where we need to get in the car and go now. So first of all, that's a command. Yes. So, but even if I say it's time to go and he, and he just says no or, or doesn't respond, that's kind of a form of saying no for him. Yeah. Yeah. Not responding. Yes. It's really easy for me to, to jump in, to want to jump in and, and say, 
no, seriously, you've got to get your things together and we need to go. Well, especially if we're in a hurry. Yeah. It's really hard to be an empathic parent when we're in a hurry. Empathic. Yes. Empathy. Mm-hmm. So this, that's where I'm going. Do you, and, and, you know, you, you and I had a great conversation about this and do you want to kind of go into, it's, it's that whole, what they should be doing. The, those beliefs that we hold, do you know what I'm talking about? I can't, I can't remember. Uh, it was in, I think it was parenting without power struggles. Oh yeah. Okay. Where we, where they were talking about the beliefs that we had, that we have. So we believe in that situation, I believe that Jaden should pack his things up. Right. And, yes. And come mm-hmm. downstairs. So, so what's a, what's a different way of thinking about that? Well, you can ask a question and say, why would they not want, or, or why, why would they not want to go? Or why wouldn't they want to get packed up? Yeah. And kind of turning it around and, and getting in the mind of a child and then using that to help them, you know. I think it, it, it even went as far as saying, why should he? Why just, should he pack up? Well, no, why, why should he? stay here and keep drawing. Like why, why does that make more sense to him than packing his things up and going? And so when you, when you start to kind of think about it from that perspective, you, you start to uncover some things. So he's, he's drawing something. And even, even as an adult, when you're in the middle of a project and somebody else imposes their timetable on you and it interrupts what you're doing, You've learned to be a little bit more flexible, but that still bothers you. Mm-hmm. And so as a child, not having any of those skills, I, I'm, I'm just kind of pretending to be Jaden now. I, sh- I should be able to finish my drawing before I do anything that somebody else wants me to do because I'm in the middle of it and I know what I want it to look like and I'm almost done. I'm quote unquote almost done. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, should, he should stay there and, and finish his drawing. In his world, that absolutely makes sense. Sitting there drawing is way more fun mm-hmm. than going somewhere that somebody else wants me to go, doing something that somebody else wants me to do. Yeah. So you start you start thinking about these things, and these are not meant to be justifications for their lack of compliance in that situation. No. It's really just a way for you to better understand them, with which is vital to the depth of the connection in that relationship. Right. When you can take a step back and understand what, what they're thinking and, and the reasons why it would make more sense for them to say no to you than to just say yes and do what you want them to do. Then you can approach that conversation uh, again from their side. You kind of side with them and say, and it's, I, it's a lot of fun sitting here drawing and, and I see that you're not done with it yet. I, and it looks like it's going to be a really neat drawing and, and you really want to finish it. Yeah. And, and you, and you kind of speak their language and you say out loud what might be going on in their heads. And the reason that's important is because you want to help them learn to articulate their objections. Yeah. That communication is really beneficial. If, if you can, if they can articulate without getting upset, without throwing a fit, without whining, if they can articulate their objections. I mean, I think about the times that, that our boys 
have been able to do that successfully and say, oh, I know we need to go, but I, I really think I just need one more minute to finish this. I'm, I'm probably, if they, if they communicated that calmly and clearly to me, yeah, I'm probably going to be like, oh, sure. Take a minute. Yeah. And set a timer. Yeah. Oh, the minute's up. Yeah. This is what we agreed to. And that's, and that's another thing. So if you are going to make a concession, you do want to be really tight with that. Yes. And, and make sure that you're, that you're not giving, you don't just continue feeding them rope. Um, if you're not going to make a concession, it's okay to put your foot down. It's okay to say, I know you really want to do this, but we really are running late and and we need to go. I was going to say, it gets really hard to do some of this stuff whenever you are in a hurry and you're running late. And I think you and I had talked at one point about building some of that time into our schedule, like the building a, a kid's exception kind of time, not exception, but like kids argument kind of time. Not that we're, that we're making it okay for our kids to argue with us, but just like knowing that this is going to cause a problem and being able to handle that with enough time to where everybody leaves feeling understood. Yeah. And the, the, it's the arguing is not the point. The point is being able to express yourself without becoming emotionally flooded without feeling powerless. Yeah. I mean, think about the times when you've been as an adult, when you've been in an argument with somebody and they're just not hearing you. Yeah. It's maddening. It is. And, and kids, not only do they have the disadvantage of being smaller people and, and feeling less powerful, but also not as articulate. They don't have as, as many skills to communicate the way that they feel they, they may not even fully, depending on their age, understand what their feelings and what their desires are. Right. And so anything that we can do as parents who are more capable to help them develop that language, develop that ability to communicate their feelings in the long term, that's going to have fantastic results. Yeah. Fantastic benefits. And obviously there are going to be some things that you know, kids say no to every single time. And those are things that you can, you know, like things that we've done is brainstorm together on how can we leave the house on time? Because we were getting into this, like, you know, every day when it's time to leave for school, the oldest would disappear somewhere. And so we sat down and brainstormed about ways to help us. I mean, that's a whole different episode, but. (laughs) It is, but that's kind of like the frequently asked questions thing. It's like, if you know that this is going to be something difficult, when when you can try to get ahead of that, yeah, and, tr- and try to include include the children in coming up with solutions to those problems with you, because it's not about it's not about going where you want to go and doing what you want to do, but really, and and I want to I want to offer this encouragement too, because I think sometimes when we say no we feel like we're doing it for selfish reasons. And, and I would say that probably 97 or even 99% of the time when we say no, even when we feel like it's for selfish reasons, it really is for the good of the family. Yeah. Uh, And sometimes because it's for selfish reasons, it's, it's what's best for the family because you do need to take care of yourself also. You're, you're not, there's, there's not a limitless supply of mommy, you know, mommy right. needs to go replenish her patience and, and grace. And, 
So I, I just want to encourage you with that. You don't have to justify not giving to, to them or to yourself, giving into their requests. Or I'm sorry, you don't have to justify not giving into their requests. Right. So I think, I think that about covers everything that I had. Okay. Any parting thoughts? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's just mainly team building is important. So, you know, you're, you look at your family as not separate. I mean, yeah, they're separate individuals, but we're also a team. And so the more cooperation we can get and the more yeses we can say, the just the better the spirit of the team. And and I have this kind of pipe dream of when the kids are teenagers, we are we are so on the same side that before they even come to us with requests, they already understand the way that we think. And 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 I guess the ultimate goal, I, I kind of wrote this down, is the ultimate goal is that there's an understanding that you love your children, that you love them, that you are looking out for their best interest and for the best interest of the family and that you're capable of making those decisions. You're, you're capable of, and so, so the, the pipe dream that I have is, you know, like our, our boys are teenagers and because of how connected they feel to us, because they understand the way that they think and, and they know that we have the family's best interest in mind, they're able to kind of deconstruct their own questions and come to their own conclusions before they even bring those requests to right, us. Right, right. I don't want to discourage, absolutely don't want to discourage questioning. Um, but the more on the same page you are, I mean, I don't, I don't want to have to ask you, you know, every time there's some decision that needs to be made. Like some, th- that's not very efficient. Like sometimes you and I need to be able to make decisions on behalf of one another. Yeah. I don't want you to have to ask me about every little thing. Yeah. And, but because of how connected we are, because of the understanding that we have, because I know the way that you think Mm -hmm. I'm able to do that. And that's what I want for the kids too. Well, and I think that the steps that you take in the right direction for communication and also communicating your values and those kinds of things will all contribute to that. So, I mean, we're not the parents of teenagers yet, but. No, we're not. um, So people are probably like, wow, these guys have no idea. Uh, But I I would say that our eight-year-old has been a little bit like a teenager living in in an eight-year-old body. Like he's super smart. He's definitely a negotiator. He has been since he was born. Like he has just been crazy. So. Like, I feel like we kind of know a little bit of that. And I Mm. hope that it doesn't get worse as he becomes a teenager. (laughs) Well, I mean, you gotta, you gotta remember there's the whole like hormones kicking in. Oh yeah, I know. I mean, it's just, it's a whole other world. I don't even want to talk about that. Yeah, let's not. (laughs) Let's just not. All right. Well, Rachel, where can people go to find us online? Um, They can find you online at in the boat with ben.com. Yep. And Twitter at Ben Tolson. That's right. And you are at racheltolson.com. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll have a new website after this week. Yeah. I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> 
And, uh, and you're also on Twitter at Rachel Tolson. Yes. And if you want to help out the show, this is our second episode. And, and we're just so excited to be able to do this. We don't have sponsors because this show and others on the, the network that we are a part of are supported by an online community of amazing people at seanwest.com slash community. You should definitely check that out. One of the ways you can help out the show is you can go to intheboatwithben.com slash iTunes and leave us a positive review. All right. Well, this was good. Yes. This was a great reminder. Yeah, it was. I needed to hear some of this stuff. into the after show the it's, it's George family Lucas stuff? yeah yeah oh my gosh i i can't tell you what it does for my heart to know that my oldest son not only is into star wars like he enjoys yeah he enjoys the characters and the and the movies and stuff well some what he's seen but he is interested in in the creator of Star Wars. Like yeah, he's, interested oh, he's read in, biographies and yeah. That's so cool to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so Justin in the chat, he, he's a little <laughs> bit worried. He says, "Oh no, has he seen the prequels?" <laughs> and as far as I know, he has not. No, but. Well, so here's here's what we're doing with uh, with Jaden. Reading is really important to our family. And so yes. we we actually have several times throughout the day where th- that we just devote to reading. And so one of the things that Jaden and I started doing a while back is we started reading the Star Wars novel that includes episodes four, five, and six. And and it's a it's a pretty, you know, big book. So yes. it's taken us a while to get through it because we don't have a whole lot of time to sit down and read together, um, but we well, we just maybe you do, and him. Just yeah, just the with two our of family, us. we do a lot. But so so a couple a couple of times a week, we'll go through a few pages together or go through a chapter together. And what I promised him mm-hmm. is that once we finish the novel, we will binge watch the Star Wars movies. And bef- <laughs> before you worry, I'll tell you I'll tell you about this thing that we're gonna do. Uh, so don't worry. Um, we're going to binge watch the Star Wars movies and I'm trying to time it. I'm trying not to rush through the book, I'm trying to time it to where we're able to do that around the same time that the new one comes out. Yeah. So this, this Christmas and, and here's, so here's what I'm doing. I've actually been doing my own research and stuff like that. I had like growing up, I had my own experience with the Star Wars movies, I got to see the Star Wars movies in their original format. 
and you know, because I was born in the eighties, this was before they added all the extra stuff in. Yeah. So, so nowadays they have, I don't, I don't know, will I get in trouble for talking about this? They have what's called the despecialized. I don't even care. They have, <laughs> they have what's called the despecialized version where they've, they've kind of cleaned it up, but they've, they've taken for, um, for four five and six, a new hope the emperor, the, the empire strikes back in return of the Jedi. They used as much of the original footage as they could. They cleaned it up, but they, but they made it as close to the original intent as possible. They got rid of the extra special effects that were added in and that kind of thing. Yeah. Some people have zoned out by now. Yeah, I'm sure. But, but there, but that's called the despecialized version. And then I also learned about this thing called the machete order. And it's a specific order in which you watch the movies. There are six of them in total. Okay. Some would say there are only five. And the machete order takes you through, and, and this is the order, you watch four and five. So you watch A New Hope and then The Empire Strikes Back. Then you go back and you watch episode two and three. Hmm. And the and, and then you finish with episode six. Interesting. And the reason for this, if if you're going to watch the prequels, the reason that you would do it in this order is because four and five are kind of the story of Luke and how he became a Jedi and how he became as powerful as he was. And and it and it takes you through some really just, you know. Uh, crazy turns and twists in his journey. But you learn at the end of five, something that really is important when you go back to two and you watch two and three and you watch Anakin's journey to becoming a, a powerful Jedi. Yeah. And then, you know, what, what he becomes. And then in six, it kind of, uh, it all comes together. Right. Now using the machete order, you have to deal with, watching the prequels, which some people just don't like. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I can go both ways. I, I can definitely pick them apart and I can criticize them for what they are. But at the end of the day, any movie that's made at that scale yeah, is quite a feat. And it's an experience that I want my son to have. Well, he wants to be a videographer, so it's probably good for them. Him. Didn't you say too that some, some of the debate is about a character? Is it Jar Jar? Yes. We please do not say his name on this show. Oh, okay. Sorry. Didn't know that was tab taboo. So anyways, <laughs> now I'm, uh, what the machete order effectively does is it, it kind of removes that character. Okay. Uh, well, what I think is, what I think is funny is that's like his favorite character. <laughs> It is. So, and, and so where did we go wrong? Where did we go wrong? <laughs> it's it's because he's eight. He'll one one day he'll know better and and we'll be able to explain. So this is what people tune in for. Yeah.